If you pick up one of the outlines, you'll notice on the back there's the triclinium that we that we talked about the other day. Let me give you a little preview of where that's going to be. See that? So we'll talk about that later. I want you to stay with us, hang in there, and what we want to do first is make sure we make progress here in Acts. And I also want to leave time for discussion about what was covered about the Lord's Supper last Sunday in the sermon. And it's very pertinent to what we're doing in Acts, what we did in Luke, and some of the material that we're studying. So with that said, I'll begin with prayer. Is the sound nice for you? Is it? Okay, good. Um, let's begin with prayer. Thank you, dear Lord, for the fellowship we have with you and one another. Thank you that those who know you have a hunger to learn the truth of your word. Thank you for giving us tools to study, to understand, and to seek better understanding how we can serve you, know you, and serve one another and preach the gospel. Help us, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I know it's been a while because winter gets that way. So here's the review. And one of the things that we need to answer today is there's a categorical difference when Paul had found Apollos. Remember, Apollos was eloquent, well-versed in Scripture. This may go back a couple of months that we were talking about this. Probably was an Alexandrian Jewish, at least educated in Alexandrian Judaism, and very well-spoken, and he needed to learn something more, but he is described differently than the one people that we'll come across here who didn't even know if there was a Holy Spirit. So that's what we want to understand. And then later, don't let me fail to go back to what I promised, which is what did we learn about the Lord's Supper in last week's sermon? And we want to get that right and give you a chance to say, well, wait a second, I don't know if that's right. We already covered this. And let me but reiterate, Apollos was welcomed and used by God in Corinth. That's the slide title. Here it says, Acts 18, 27, 28. And when he wanted to cross over to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he assisted greatly those who had believed through grace, for he was vigorously uh, refuting the Jews in public demonstrating through the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. We talked about that. Let me quickly make a couple points. What does the name Christ signify? What's, what makes that imp an important term? Anointed. The anointed one. Who is the Christ? The anointed one. That's the right answer. Ha Christos. There is one who's predicted in the Old Testament who will be the Christ, the anointed one. And so by saying Jesus, Yeshua, the one in, that we read about throughout Acts, remember Luke, Acts, the two-volume work, 
was the one that Apollos knew and was able to preach. And so there was a refutation, meaning a debate. I think I mentioned that. So if we know something to be true, we don't want to be contentious, but we want to contend for the faith. Uh, Inappropriate contention would be demanding that our way is the right way, even when it's not an absolute thing. That's for people to decide at home who who's going to wash the dishes, who's going to do this, who's going to fix the car. But when it comes to the nature of God, as Eric's been showing, the Trinity, the person of Christ, the nature of Christ, the virgin birth, the sinlessness, and so on, that we need to debate, not just say, well, maybe you have your idea and I have mine, nobody can know. If it's revealed in Scripture, we need to go into the arena of public debate and demonstrate the truth. And that's how the gospel proceeded throughout Acts. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. That's what's going on. And so, in what arena or how we say it may be different, but we don't ever back off from preaching Christ, who he is, what he did, why we need him, what he expects of us. So in that sense, excuse me, Luke is telling us Apollos was doing what he should and willing to learn more as needed. So the gospel went into the arena of public debate, both in synagogues and public arenas such as Mars Hill in Athens. And the reason they went to synagogues first when there was one, was that there was the common ground they already had the scriptures. What do the scriptures say? Who is the Messiah? And so Jesus went into the synagogue in Nazareth and cited Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. Okay? They, they rejected him. But there was a reason for that. And so the first thing we have to start with is the personal work of Christ. Paul at Mars Hill in Athens talked about the very nature of the creator and refuted polytheism and other things that were there. So that's that. One more thing I want to say. Never go into the arena of public debate with a bad argument. There's always somebody out there smarter than you that knows you're going to say that and they'll just pound on you. So put the truth out there. They may not accept it, but if it's the truth, God will use it to convict. So that's what we want to learn. Now let's go to Acts 19.1. We've got to make some progress. And it happened while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the inland regions and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. So in Ephesus, there are some disciples. Corinth and Ephesus, as I say here, are key places in Acts. In fact, Ephesus will be, in the next chapter, the place where Paul addresses the Ephesian elders as he is on his way to Jerusalem, ultimately to be rejected as well. So he wrote epistles to Corinth and to Ephesus, 
as uh, we've been studying. I've, I've preached through Ephesians and now working on 1 Corinthians. Now, what are we going to learn? Well, Luke is amazingly brilliant writer in any era of history, inspired by the Holy Spirit. The more I study Luke Acts, the more amazed I am that something that old and that um, new on the scene of history could be so powerfully laid out. Reviews and previews. We, did we mention, I think so, um, I want to keep moving forward. In early in Luke, I see previews of the fulfillment of Joel 2.28. Your sons and daughters, your prophesied. We talked about that. And now it's happening. So think about Acts 20. In fact, I don't know how soon we'll get to it, but we can always study it. Who are the different people that are important in the church as far as hierarchy? I want to talk about that toward the end when we can discuss it. The church history isn't where we find the truth. We find the truth in Scripture alone. Church history helps us identify what's good and what isn't. But if you look, let's just have a little preview. Turn quickly to Acts 20, and we'll see verse 17, verse 28, and so on. And I'll show you, think about this. I made a claim in the sermon last week that there aren't that many positions that are validated in Scripture as far as people claiming titles in churches. So if you look at Acts 20, if you want to turn to verse 17 and then kind of keep your finger there, I did some research last night, and here's what it says in verse 17. In verse 17, therefore, excuse me, he, he called... To him, the elders of the church, Acts twenty seventeen, elders is is presbyteros, presbyteros, in its dictionary form. Elders are you, you hear of presbyters or a church called a Presbyterian church that means elders. Okay, now are elders different than bishops? Are there bishops? Are there archbishops? Are there whatever? Well, let's just see what, who, who's called what here. But that's grammar is correct. Acts 20, 17, elders, presbyteros. Now, when we get to verse 28, when he's warning them, if you look at verse 27, uh, let me just start with 26. I, okay, here, just go ahead and read it. Therefore, I testify to you this day, Remember what Paul said here? I am innocent of the blood of all men. Why was Paul able to say in Acts 20, 26, I'm innocent of the blood of all men? Because he proclaimed Christ and him crucified clearly and called people to repentance. If we fail to warn people that those who refuse to listen to Christ don't believe it and want to do something else, judgment is coming whether we believe there's such a thing or not. Now look at verse 27. Notice notice what he said. For Paul said, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. 
plan, boule, I think it's boule, I don't have my Greek out here. Uh, the King James has the whole counsel of God. So here's the categories we all need. <clears throat> Ask yourself this, is it revealed in scripture and inherently declared to be true by, God, by Christ and his apostles, Moses, the prophets, throughout scripture, is this the truth? Has God revealed his purpose and counsel in scripture? Yes or no? Yes. So the question isn't whether I like it, it's whether it's revealed. And there's a categorical and qualitative difference between authoritative apostles and prophets and anything that happens in church history after the death of the apostles, after scripture is completed. We are building on the foundation laid once for all, Christ the cornerstone, apostles and prophets, and we're building as bricks are going in to that building by God's grace. Okay, so I did not shrink from declaring the whole purpose of God. Verse 28, be on guard for yourselves and all the flock um, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now, here we have presbyteros, and then those who are overseers. Who are these overseers? Episcopos. Episcopos. Verse 28. So you have presbyteros, elders, overseers, episcopos. It's the same people. Okay, so in church history, we have Presbyterian, Episcopal. Episcopal, by the way, is Anglican when it came to America. And various other things. And in some way, a person could claim liberty to say, well, we can have Sunday school superintendents, yes. We can have officers so that we do things legally, yes. And there's various things that we can use functionally and properly within our liberty, but we can't create some sort of hierarchy and claim that God ordained it and the ones that are the way up here they have power to tell everybody else what to do even if it's not in scripture are you following me so presbyteros and episcopos are the same people but what do they do let's read on I'm glad you asked Well, for one thing, they guard the sheep. What do the wolves do? They, they, run, they, they try to devour the sheep. The false shepherds run, let the wolves have the sheep. But let's go on. Be on guard for yourselves and the flock among the, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseas. Who, who does this? The Holy Spirit. We are to recognize what he did. Shepherd, oh, look at this. Shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his blood. What's that word shepherd mean? Po- I have that one here. Poimino, which is the, uh, a noun, and it means to be one who shepherds. And so a shepherd would be like a, the, pa- the word pastor. So shepherds, pastors, if you want to use that term, episcop- you know, bishops, there are no bishops in the Bible, uh, but episcopos, overseers, and elders, they're the same people with the same role and they're to serve God 
and care for the flock. There are other ministries. And so the pastors, the elders, the overseers, the ones who shepherd the flock are not layers of status, but they're various servants of the Lord. Why labor this point? Because if we can't get this right, we'll never understand Ephesians. We won't understand the Gospels. We won't understand Acts. We won't understand 1 Corinthians. And I know that's a strong claim, but history has borne that out. Renewal movement after renewal movement, but within two generations, we're right back to the social gospel, no blood atonement, layers, who's the good Christian, who's the bad Christian? Well, the fact is, if we aren't uh, bought by the blood of Jesus and trusting him alone and born of the Spirit, then we are not one of his. And... uh, He says in verse 29, know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from your own selves, verse 30, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Be on the alert. Day and night, three years. Can you think, think about that a moment? Well, Paul, a true apostle pointed by Christ himself, Peter, John, the apostles were still there. Paul was the one last of all, 1 Corinthians 15. If he was there when these people became elders and some of them departed and became wolves, why should we be shocked if that happens in our own day when there's no apostle to directly teach the teachings of Christ? We have to get it from Scripture. Yes. Well, God lays out the prerequisites for elders. And uh, with all of the heresy out there now, now we're even dealing with social gospel. That's a big deal now, creeping in to what we would consider mainline church. Uh, That's why God laid out those prerequisites, because even though they're not immune these things can take hold of people's minds, and that's why they, they departed, because they weren't really, I would say, not of Christ from the beginning. But sometimes we don't know that, do we? No, we don't know. Because remember, we're, uh, I'm going to do this. We're going to take time. We're going to get to, the, hopefully, the Lord's Supper in, in Luke 22. I preached last week about that. Remember the the... If Satan enters Judas in Luke 22, 3, and there's a betrayer there, and then as soon as the warning gives, they start arguing who's the greatest. This is just the inclination of fallen human beings. Who's the greatest? I'll put some slides up to help us understand this. And it can be any anyone. But if we are... Asking God for wisdom, we, need, we all need to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, as it says. And notice in verse 31 here, therefore be on alert, remembering, remember that word remember, it's important, 
day and night for a period of three years. I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. Now I come, I remember when we had a discernment person in the group I was with in the 80s. Uh, some of you probably heard of him. His name is Dave Hunt. He came in and corrected a lot of errors that were going on that were varied, all kinds of different things. And so when he left, I was a assistant pastor, associate pastor at the time, and a senior pastor who had asked him to come. We said, well, now what, we, now what are we going to do? And he cited this verse. I commend you to um, the Lord in the word of his grace. I commend you to, to God in the word of his grace. He didn't say, well, I'm going to start a new movement, sign here. I ended up disagreeing with him about things. But uh, honorable person, what do we have if we don't have the Lord and the word of his grace? Who's, we, we have to be able to judge anything and everything, not just join a group and say, I'm right because I'm in this group. Go ahead. Yeah, John MacArthur talks about this. He says that there's a million viruses out there, and he said this well before COVID. Um, there's a million viruses in the church, and people go off and they get off. And who is that Spurgeon who talked about the downgrade? You go to the right or you go to the left and you step off the, the line and you're on the downgrade. And it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. The antidote, MacArthur says, is the gospel, the gospel, the yep. gospel. And honestly, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, which is in Ephesians, yes. The gospel and then having come through the narrow gate, not because we're pious, but because of God's grace alone. Um, how do we know? Um, someone asked me before we started, how do we know? So there's Christendom, but over 2 billion people in Christendom. I am going to continue to believe that Christendom is a mission field. It's not Christianity it's a mission field. Somebody says you're preaching to the choir. Well, most of the choir is probably lost. Why not? Would to God that some pastors would actually preach the gospel to the choir. Some might just quit and go somewhere else because they don't want to hear that. See, if you're offended by Jesus Christ, the terms of the gospel and the pure word of God, by the way, I can't sing well enough to be in anybody's choir. But if I was in the choir, I would sure want to hear about the gospel. Are you going to just give people what they'd never heard before because the choir heard something? Church history is a history of uh, being seduced. The seduction of Christianity was Hunt's book that interested us. Why do we keep going astray? Why do we keep going astray? Because the only way back is to the once for all, the, the faith once for all handed out of the saints. So if Paul, on the scene of history, there's still issues, but he said, I commend you to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. How are you sanctified? By the blood of Jesus. How? Is the blood of Jesus magic words that scare away demons? Is the blood of Jesus something we say so that bad things don't happen to us? No, it's the only means we could ever hope to have eternal life and access 
to the heavenly throne of grace now. And who's the better? We can't sort this out now. I, I want to give a preview of what will happen in First Corinthians. We don't know who's doing a better job other than what's obvious. Okay? So we might think that this part is important and this part isn't, but the real issue, you're either a saint or you ain't. We can remember that grammar or colloquialism notwithstanding. Now, I want to, I got to at least get to verse four. And he said to them, now here are some disciples of John the Baptist. So back to our passage. Found some disciples. And Paul said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism, or the baptism of John. Now, here's a question. What's the difference between Apollos and these disciples here in Ephesus? Has anyone thought about that? Apollos knew about the things of the Lord Jesus accurately. Uh, there's no evidence that he was... He had to learn some things, but he, he's portrayed as somebody who hungered to learn and was welcomed. There, something needed to happen for these disciples. What's the difference? Yeah. Now, remember in John chapter 3, the Holy Spirit, if you're not, unless you are born of the Spirit, you don't know God, you cannot see God. You must be born again. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone who ever put their hand up and went forward or signed a card or was grew up in a Baptist church or a Pentecostal church or any other kind of or a Lutheran church or whatever it might be is born of the Spirit. That's not what John is saying and that's certainly not what Luke Acts is saying and that's not what Peter was talking about on the day of Pentecost. And if we go to um, some of the things that happen, maybe we can do, well, I'm going to have to go to another PowerPoint. I have a PowerPoint where I show that Jesus was dining with people and Luke is portraying people in a favorable light that would be hated and rejected and not allowed into any church on any means or any synagogue, I should say. And it's interesting that in the Great Commission, he says, you'll be my disciples, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Why would you do that? Why would you go to Samaria? They're, they're wicked. They're evil. I did a printout. Did I give that to you, uh, Brian? Did I ever send, give you that printout where I looked up the word Samaritan? I don't know if you can find it any faster than I can. I get more knowledge as I get older, but I'm way less organized. Piles of paper. But we'll see that when we get to uh, other passages. So here's what happens here. Let's make progress. And Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people that they should believe in the one who was to come after him. That is in Jesus. And when they heard this, 
they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Now there's no so Apollos they needed something Apollos needed something quite different which was better instruction. Let me cite a couple of scholars. Uh, Peterson who's, who's actually his book on sanctification is a very good book. He's from Britain. Peterson says however before that the, the ministry of a Priscilla and Aquila to Apollos Acts 18 24 to 28 is recalled by the account of Paul's ministry to the 12 disciples in 19 1 through 7 that's where we're at Apollos had received the baptism of John and had come to recognize Jesus as the one to whom John's testimony pointed he needed only some further instruction says Peterson to become fully become truly effective witness to Jesus himself however continuing the disciples whom Paul met in Ephesus had received John's baptism but did not understand the purpose of John's mission they needed to grasp where Jesus fitted into the scheme to be baptized in his name and to receive the promised Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes we throw out terms that we're not trying to make it more difficult. We're trying to define things. Now, Eric has talked about the Trinity. It's, if you understand the doctrine of the Trinity, which we've learned the last couple times that Eric has laid that out there, it isn't that if you were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in water and immersed, or you were baptized in the name of Jesus if somebody isn't implying something like uh, modal monarchialism or whatever we, you know, sometimes God is the Father, sometimes He's the Spirit. If they're talking about the same doctrine, the Trinity, accurately, it isn't going to change the validity of your baptism if someone says, that you're baptized into the name of Jesus or you've been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because the name of Jesus implies that he's the second person of the Trinity and everything the Bible teaches about him. If you weren't here, there's audio, I believe, that you can get on the website, ggf.church, where Eric went through the doctrines uh, the various doctrines of Christ. So don't let someone come along and say, were you baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And you say, yes, I was. And they say, you're going to hell. People do that. I kid you not, they're out there. You have to come join our church and be rebaptized in the name of Jesus only if you don't want to go to hell. But they're that's not what the point is here. And they will say, well, every time water baptism is mentioned in Acts, it mentions the name of Jesus. But the name of Jesus is part of a Trinitarian idea. Has anyone encountered that or want to comment on it? Okay, we'll go on. Easy to teach. But we see what we're looking out for the flock when 
Paul gave that address to the Ephesian elders, these things are now going around the world within one or two days. Immediately, everybody knows what's going on, even more so than what was true even 30 years ago. But um, John pointed to the one who would come after him. So if you're If you're a valid disciple of John the Baptist, you'll welcome the gospel and the need for the Holy Spirit. Some of the debate in church history, I want to know what's been debated. Um, I'm not belittling the the various things like the hypostatic union and so on, but um, they don't imply ordo salutis in the sense that you have to do it in this order. Conversion happens at a point of time. But we need to submit to what the Lord says. Yes. Uh, go ahead, Lalonde. Yeah. Well, I'm totally confused. Um, okay, so what... Can you turn off? Can you turn off? Is it even on? So, um, who did John baptize them into? I don't understand. Um... It's my understanding that you come to faith in Christ when you hear the gospel. And then after you come to faith in Christ, that's when you're baptized. And that you receive the Holy Spirit when you come to faith in Christ. I don't, I don't see that. I mean, you can baptize babies, but they're not going to come to faith in Christ because they can't understand the gospel. Yeah, we've talked about that. Yeah, so... I'm confused about what is the baptism of John versus being baptized in the name of Jesus. The baptism of John, did you, um, I know a lot of, there's been a lot of people unable to come to church. Eric preached on that. Did you hear his sermon about John's, John the Baptist's baptism and why was Jesus baptized? See, in Matthew, Jesus uh, is identified as the Son by a voice from heaven, God the Father, and he was then baptized by John the Baptist, not because Jesus was a sinner, but in order to show the identity and to identify with what God had done in Israel's history. But this is the one. This is the anointed one. So if you stuck with John the Baptist and say, well, I liked what he had to do. And remember, uh, I'm going to start citing from Gospels. I hope I get, I can't tell you which one sometimes. Uh, Didn't Jesus lament and say, John the Baptist was wearing, uh, what kind of garb did he have? Camel's hair? What, What did he wear? Camel's hair? And they said, oh, he has a demon. He's out in the wilderness. We don't like him. So Jesus comes dining. Well, we don't like him. He's a glutton and a drunkard. And so they wouldn't come to anybody. And that's in, oh, that's right. It's in Matthew. It's in Matthew 9, 10, 11. And so whatever God sent, they said, no, 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 we don't like this. No, we don't like that. And, and Jesus said, wisdom is justified by all of our children. And so whatever God sends, somebody doesn't like it. So they didn't like John the Baptist. Southerners didn't like Jesus. But the fact is, John the Baptist is identified 
as the Elijah type figure prophesied in Malachi who prepared the way for the Lord. And so if someone said, that's enough. We don't know where these people came from, how they heard about it. There's no use speculating, but they didn't know or have the Holy Spirit. And it's different than the status that Paulus had. And so Luke Acts is showing us that those who are born of God, know God, are baptized in the Spirit, and the order isn't the issue. Because, for example, there were people who believed and then were baptized, but there were other people who believed and were baptized, but then they didn't really believe, like Simon the Sorcerer. And Peter says, you have no part or lot in this matter. You still want to be a magician. You want to do signs. You want to buy this. You don't get it. And then there's the people at the Last Supper. Judas already had a demon, according to uh, Luke 2, uh, excuse me, 22-3. But they weren't sure who that was. And then he went out and betrayed Christ. Ironically, Jesus handed over, Paul handed over what Jesus gave, gave to the church, paradidomy. Judas handed over Jesus to the authorities, but it was all part of the thing. So the point, here's the point. If we don't have an accurate gospel and an account of who Jesus is, why we need him, and we're not born of the Spirit, then we won't welcome the things of the Spirit because they're foolishness to us. And John Baptist, if, if you have John the Baptist but not Christ, you don't have it. Does that make sense? I hope it does. I don't know. Maybe this will come. I have some slides that I want to get to. Make sure I don't forget to do so. Sorry to interrupt you. Uh, could it be said then that since baptism is not a salvific issue, it's the fact that God, when when Jesus was getting baptized by John, and God said, this is the one, the anointed one, mm-hmm. that that's the issue. The issue isn't the baptism in itself, because we know now that somebody could be saved and not baptized, and that has nothing to do with salvation. Right, but if uh, I remember... Um, many people find out, think they're Christian because they were born into a Christian family and they went to Sunday school. Most of the time when people are converted, they can't wait to be baptized in water. One of the things that we're going to have to do is point out that being baptized in the Spirit isn't a secondary experience. There's not Christians who are born of God, but they're not really full of the Spirit. That's, we're going to have to deal with that. Go ahead. Yes. Could you um, explain your um, understanding of baptism with the Holy Spirit? Does that, does that include every Christian? I, I believe. Mean, is that upon, upon salvation, upon regeneration? Does that include every Christian? Every Christian was baptized with the Holy Spirit? That's what the claim is. Um, so would you say then that's the uh, beginning of the church? Well, the church age begins at Pentecost okay. as, uh, when the Holy Spirit is poured out. Um, but there are people who have faith uh-huh. and uh, will be part of 
the eschaton in a saving way, according to Hebrews 11, yes. Okay, um, so could I just throw a, a verse or two or three? Sure. That right. might challenge that. Um, okay. If everybody would like to turn to John 20, verse 22. Mm-hmm. Actually, let's start at 20, 21. It says, so Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Right. And that happened before Pentecost. But did John imply that, um, what's the implication of breath plus the Holy Spirit? Doesn't that go all the way back to John 3? Well, I think it, I think it goes back further than that. I think there's, I, I can find three examples if, I don't want to take up too much time, but if you, st- if you go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, and you look at that. Yeah, he breathed into the breath of he life. Breathed he breathed into the breath. Yeah, right. And then there's, uh, the second one is um, Psalm 33, verse 6. Yeah. And he breathed into the host. A- absolutely. That's, that's yep. not a contradiction. No, I'm just saying what the relevance of or the parallel but of the, breath. See, um, when I was born of God mm-hmm. and I came to, to the church, the Pentecostal church, was, bapti- was baptized in water. Right. Which hadn't, the pastor said that they hadn't even filled the water tank for 30 some years. Mm-hmm. And um, because they were so eccentric, people would be, Diane grew up across the park from there. And her parents said, don't even go near there. They're weird. Yeah. Well, so when I came to the Lord, yep. was baptized in water, they, I believe if it wasn't the work of the Spirit, I wouldn't have believed anything. Right, right. But they said, if you don't speak in tongues, then you don't really have the fullness. Mm-hmm. That's what I was taught. Yeah. And in order to get into North Central Bible College, if you couldn't speak in tongues, meaning ones you don't know, Mm-hmm. You could get in, but you had to be seeking that. Yep. And if you look at the, um, I was just looking at the other day, part of the fundamental truths was that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. evidenced by the speaking in tongues, is uh, a second work of grace beyond regeneration. That was the claim. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, at this point, I would not say that. I don't think the Bible teaches that. I don't think it's a good reading. Okay. Now, back to John. Yeah. If you go back to John 3, that's right. The Holy Spirit, um, and certainly throughout the Bible, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit, the deity of the Holy Spirit. But earlier in John, what is said in John 3 is that the Spirit goes where he wills. Exactly. Right. And so Jesus, if you look at the procession of the spirit. This comes from church history. Yep. Now the Greek Orthodox wanted to give more prominence to the spirit because they were a little more mystical. And so there was this issue, does the procession of the spirit come only from the father or does the procession of the spirit come from the father and the son? And so there was a split between Rome and Greek Orthodoxy. But I think it's getting a little too far afield. The point is that the Spirit, it being born of the Spirit, 
when Jesus says, breathed on them, said, receive the Spirit, it was identifying as Jesus as the one who indeed is, gives the Spirit as well as the Father. It's not either or. So you don't think that he, they received the Spirit then? It was more of a... Well, well, if you do... See, I like... One of the things I learned is I like to stay one at a time and then later go... The point of Luke Acts... Yep. Is wait in Jerusalem until you receive the Spirit. Right. I think I'm not. John, I love John. If I lived to be 85 and I could still talk, sure. maybe I'll teach through John again. I did it in the 80s. I love John, but it's not implying that's all there is, and it's not implying that John knew something and Luke got it wrong. It's that it's not saying they don't need Pentecost. Right. Well, you know, I've come. I've changed my view on that. I think baptism with the Holy Spirit and receiving the Holy Spirit upon regeneration are two different things. So that's okay. We, we, I, I, I'm, I'm, okay. I've been so then would you say that there are saved people who don't really have the fullness of the Spirit? Yes. I would say that okay. people have been regenerated. Well, we're going to disagree, but... And, and could I just make up one more point? Okay. Um, you know, I, if, you, if those of us who have MacArthur study Bibles, if you look at his... Um, this kind of gives you an idea as to, you know, how things... I just... Let's all use our discernment, and, and I'll read, if I can focus in here, on what MacArthur says. It's, Since the disciples did not actually receive the Holy Spirit until the day of Pentecost, some 40 days into the future, he was saying, he was, to me, I'm reading that as he con- he's contradicting sp- Scripture. Not and at he's all. He's saying it's a future, it's a future, ple- it's a future pledge. And, and um, if you look at the Greek aorist imperative, there's no future meaning in the word receive. Uh, okay, now I understand the Greek. The imperative, yep. the imperative shows what they need. Okay, I don't see how he breathed on the disciples and received the Spirit. Yep. So what happened when... when then what does it say happened after that? Well, then, then he gave them his, his, the direction. His, his yeah, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Retain, retain, retain the sins and so on. If they, yeah, if it, it says here, or let me re- go here. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you mm-hmm. retain the sins of any, they have been retained. So he's giving them direction as believers, as disciples, as followers of Christ right off the bat after receiving the Holy okay. Spirit. And I, I think that you can't do that unless you have the Holy Spirit. I, I, res- I respect that view, and I held it at one time. Uh-huh. Uh, but as I continue to study the whole counsel of God, there's not a contradiction there. People are, if it weren't for a work of the Spirit, no one would believe. Right. Okay? And so John isn't trying to tell us that there's some secondary thing that's going to happen. If you don't preach the gospel, in other words, anybody, like, doesn't the Roman Catholic Church say, well, you can give absolution to someone? Mm-hmm. Have you heard this, uh, Dan? Have you? Uh, how does the Roman Catholic Church understand retaining sins or based on that? Well, I think it's based on the priest. Get the mic. Right. Well, it's it's based on what the, the priest gives the absolution. So, as far as the retaining of sins, yeah, I think that passage would be cited. I, I'm not an expert. I've never been Catholic. Yeah. Yeah. So the point is, if this is 
I read it that way for a long time, and then I realized, and uh, Gordon Fee, by the way, I think his background is Pentecostal. This creates a, the have and have nots as far as the uh, status of people in the church, yep. even in Corinthians. So uh, how do you know you have that secondary work of the Spirit? How, what's the evidence of that? Visual and, and internal. When, when, if you take a look at Whitfield, you take a look at the Wesleys, you take a uh, D.L. Moody, those are just people that we know of, names that we know of, but there's a lot of names that aren't known and, and mm-hmm. what is, comes to my mind is Jeremiah Lanfear, who started a revival, in, who God used through the power of the Holy Spirit to start a revival in, in New York City in 1856, I believe it was. And God used that man. It wasn't that man, and he would be the first to say that. It was the power of the Holy Spirit, which is talked about when, in, in Acts chapter 1, verse, I think it's 8 or 4, You'll receive receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be witness. But the question is, how do you know that's the Spirit? Because I'm not challenging any of that. If the gospel is preached and people are convicted and they repent, they'll they'll come into Christ and they'll love the Word of God. So that's what happened to me. But then now I'm not baptized in the Spirit until I can speak in tongues. What's, you, what are we? You, there will be an outward. There will be as well. The outward fast. thing was I was willing to go to church. Yep. I wouldn't even walk into a church. Go ahead. Right. Um, and, and another thing is, you know, if if we've been baptized by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. My question is, if you look at Acts verse, uh, let's see here. Um, well, it says. You, uh, they they mocked them because of they they accused them of be, uh, drinking sweet wine. Yes. If we were baptized by the Holy Spirit, if all of us have been upon regeneration, if that's true, how many of us after being converted, after receiving the Holy Spirit, have been was accused by other people of being mocked with sweet wine? That would be that's an outward manifestation of being baptized okay. by the Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, let me. I want to get to the what we were going to do as far as just showing sure. this testing. Sure. The offense of the cross will cause anyone to be mocked if they preach it correctly. Okay. There, there's more than one possible cause for the same observed outcome or phenomena. Yeah. In logic, you'd say if and only if. Okay. So the Assemblies of God said you are a recipient of the second blessing if and only if you speak in other tongues. Okay. In other words, that's it. Okay. Without which not, sine qua non. I would say that the definitive sign that someone is born of God Mm -hmm. is that the Holy Spirit testifies about Christ. Right. There are Pentecostals who speak in tongues, and he asks them who Christ is, mm-hmm. and they, they don't want to give you an answer. Somebody rebuked me. I said, well, which yeah. Jesus are you talking about? You're crucifying me. Who do you think right. you are? So if somebody asks you for the hope that's in you, yep. and you say, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, yep. then why would you speak about Christ and suffer mockery if you don't have the Holy Spirit? Right. Well, you know, I, I, I just see people that have been baptized. But, I mean, again, I look at history. I mean, church, the church doesn't talk about revivals. 
which is a shame, I think, because I, I think the church needs to be revived. And I, and I think there's various reasons for that. I think one of the things is the Pentecostals, the Assemblies of God, false teachers such as Benny Hinn and, and Ken Copeland mm -hmm. have distorted that view to the okay. point where people like, you know, hands off and don't, touch, don't talk about it. And I think that's a shame because I think, in my viewpoint, from what I've been studying for, for a few months now, that that, it, that has distorted the understanding of what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, and pastors and teachers don't want to touch it. But I, I'll touch anything. Let me give you an assignment, and then I want to talk. The yeah. assignment is go to Acts 3.18. Yes. 3.19. Uh, did you read that book on Seasons of Refreshing? Pressing? There's a book, and uh, maybe you could give that to him. And I have a book that I re read in seminary about revivals in America, and it's very positive toward revivals. But I'm not sure whether Acts 3.19 on Seasons of Refreshing uh -huh. is talking about, I'm not sure, actually, I think it's about what will happen eventually, but maybe it's what's happening now. But yet, we cannot say, you really have the Spirit and you're not so great, we'll have you right. mop the floor over here right? until well, you speak in tongues. Yeah, no, I, I guess not. I guess, I, I guess as a believer, I mean, the the... The baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't happen, like I said before, to every single believer. It does not. And I, I, I don't think there's, there's what you call lesser Christians or anything. Like, I, don't, I don't believe in that. Okay. There, are, there are Christians that are, are, are what John MacArthur calls cruddy, the cruddy Corinthians that have totally left God and walked away from God and committed adultery and committed... They, they went out from us but, because they were not of us. Yeah, but they were, there were still so, some believers there that but, had gone astray. But John MacArthur was one of the strongest critics against the charismatic movement right and his and we book went charismatic chaos yep but I, I you know i'm i'm i've been doing teaching under martin lloyd jones and and i've learned a lot of stuff mm -hmm. and and later on after the end of class i got a few more verses those of us who you know follow john MacArthur. so if you want to get together real briefly i'd love to point out a few more verses i don't want to take up any more time okay go ahead eric and then i want to get, i'm going to pull a slide up there'll be people out there that are going to get plenty to talk about as we put this yeah, up. Yeah, I, I, uh, I want to weigh in a little bit on this. Okay. okay, the verse that we're talking about here in John, Jesus gave the, the power of the Holy Spirit to these disciples. Now, I was taught, uh, took a lot of classes from a, a Hebrew scholar, mm -hmm. and in the Old Testament, we see the, the, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and goes and, and, and appears. Uh, and so Jesus breathed on the disciples, gave them the power of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. for that mission. Mm -hmm. But 40 days later, the, the, the um, enormous outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which, which inaugurated the Age of Grace, we have the Holy Spirit active in the world now oh, yeah. in, in a way that Absolutely. we did not have in the Old Testament. So I don't think that there's a contradiction here that Jesus gave power of the Holy Spirit to these people for that mission. And that then 40 days later, the Holy Spirit okay. came in great power with signs and wonders. Now those, we have to be careful in the book of Acts and not confuse descriptions with prescriptions. I agree. And I so, totally agree. And so uh, there, are, they, 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 there were authentication gifts. They were able to speak in foreign languages, all of these things. Now, in our day, 
each believer receives the Holy Spirit when he comes to faith. Hmm. And that's the only way we're able to. I'm able to read the scriptures and understand them because of the Holy Spirit. I have the strength of my faith. we got three minutes. Okay. So, so in other words, I disagree respectfully with my good friend (laughs) Um, because we've got to get this idea of descriptive versus prescriptive. There's there's more than one possible cause for the same observed outcome. Yeah, and we can have, the Holy Spirit can, can... can can really act for revival. I think I'm not, we, yeah, I'm not, uh, I think we grieve the Holy Spirit though because we're so unfaithful. Yeah, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, righteousness, judgment. That was in Act and John. If you look now, we got to get to this because we promised and we printed. Now my thing won't work. Here it is. If you turn your outline upside down, you'll have the triclinium. I mentioned this. This was. You see that there? That's the triclidium in a home like very similar to what's described in 1 Corinthians 11 and elsewhere where some are here's where the honored guest would eat. Our daughter Jessica pointed out in homeschooling they showed this when they were studying Roman in first century Roman history. So there's the favored seat where they had their feast. You see that? Now, if you go out here, there's the atrium. And the rebuke that Paul gave in 1 Corinthians 11 was that a feast is going on, and some folks just sat out here and hardly had anything to eat. And he said, this isn't the Lord's Supper. That's, that's, I just wanted to show you that, let me read the caption for that slide. And I got one more thing here. Um <clears throat> I'll just read this. It's from, actually from Campa and Rosner. As noted earlier, the divisions mentioned by Paul may have fallen along social lines, perhaps differentiating rich from poor. Campa and Rosner imagined the following scenario. When the church was gathered at so-and-so's house for the Lord's Supper, they had their best friends, other families, richer families of the church, with them in the triclinium. That's the dining room up there and the rest hung around in the atrium more reliable than my and that would be something from that same period of history now the other thing that's happened is all these theories about consubstantiation transubstantiation saying words that turn bread into something that's not the point now one more thing to think about. This is not your... I found this. I just got the DVD of these slides. This is a gold Arius of Nero, AD 54 to 68. And I want to talk about this word dakimas, approved, or dakimas, dakimazo, to put to the test. Um, to welcome is a ver- version of that. Uh, Dekomai means to welcome. And what this means, let me just read it here. The word approved, dakimas, originally referred to coins and metals that had been determined to be genuine. The gold coin shown here is one that was officially approved for use as currency in the Roman Empire around 
the time of the writing of 1 Corinthians. And then uh, the point is, if you're going to buy a gold coin and spend $2,000 an ounce for it or whatever it is now back then, you don't want to buy fool's gold, do you? So to those, in other words, that those who may be approved, oh, we're running out of time. Next week, remind me, I have a slide on here that shows how Luke led up to the Last Supper. So the readers know Judas is the one who's not approved, but immediately after, because according to Luke 22.3, Satan entered Judas. But right after the meal, now this wasn't, that was an upper room, not a triclinium, they start arguing about who's the greatest. Here's my point. We don't know who's more important in the body of Christ. If we know Christ, if our sins are forgiven, if we're born of God, God is going to use us and in the future will determine by God what the rewards and blessings are in the kingdom. If we think we know now, we may be fooled. Some of the, some things are one or two generations, but eventually the grandchildren and great-grandchildren of the Christians come up with the social gospel. And you might say, well, isn't that what this is about? The rich and the poor? Well, frankly, if you study monasticism, they got that wrong too. They didn't know God, not born of the Spirit. So if you want to be the great Christian, you take an oath of poverty and go sit in a cave somewhere. So you can reverse it and have the same thing going on. The rich Christians are evil. The poor ones are the really good ones. And how about this? What about Rick Warren? He had people take an oath. I hereby solemnly swear that I will spend 40 days reading bad Bible translations to prove that I'm a good Christian. When they don't even tell you how to become born of God by repenting. Does that make sense? So here's the assignment. Search the scriptures, Acts 3.19. If you want, I don't know what, I wrote an article about this. If you look through all the cases where the Holy Spirit came upon someone in Acts, different things happen. And in fact, um, the point isn't that these people here that we were talking about already were born of God and now they're going to get a second blessing. I don't think that's a good reading. However, I will hear other evidence. If that reading is wrong, then we need to correct it. And that's the priest of every believer. So that's where we're at. Uh, thanks to everyone. Let's close with prayer. Thank you, dear Lord, that we can search the scriptures together and see if these things be true. And may we be those who would be teaching the word of God, searching the scriptures, testing these things, being Bereans, and see what you called us to believe and to do. And may you help us be firm and strong in the faith and bold in the gospel, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. God bless you.